1: For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com.
0: If there really is God, why doesn't he come down and make things better? I don't get it. Why is the world such a mess? I'd like to offer this answer. It's been my understanding, and I was told directly in conversations with God, God's purpose and God's desire and God's intention was not to millions of people around the world are trying to find their meaning so they're trying to read the right book take the right seminar or take the right workshop then they'll suddenly know something more than they knew before but in fact meaning and purpose are not something that you find meaning is something you I could of course be wrong about all of this but I don't think so
2: Welcome to the Inspired Evolution. I'm your humble host, Amrish Sandhu, and you're tuning in to a conscious conversation designed to help you grow. Our mission here is simple. It's for you to live your purpose, live your best life, live the life you love. This podcast is sponsored by Enthusiasm for Life, by great creation itself keep the good vibes flowing for myself and yourself. Do us a solid. Subscribe to the Inspired Evolution podcast on YouTube, the home of the Inspired Evolution podcast. Now sit back, relax, open your mind, open your heart to this conversation and stay inspired. Keep evolving. Welcome to the Inspired Evolution. It is an incredible treat to be here today. We have with us Neil Donald Walsh. Neil, how are you there, sir? I'm wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) That is the best response I've ever had to that question. Thank you so much for being here. It is such a pleasure. For those, I can't even say that those that don't know Neil, everybody knows Neil, I feel. And uh, for those that know Neil, you know that he's the author of the Conversation of Gods uh, series. He's done a whole bunch of philanthropic work that bleeds off the back of it um, and we'll put a link to all that work in the show notes below if you do feel inspired to contribute in some way. Some people may know, may not know, he's also an actor, a screenwriter and many of us know him as a speaker. Neil, it is such a pleasure to be here with you today.
0: And, oh thank you. It's lovely to be here with you as well. How may I serve you?
2: No, oh, <laughs> I love that question, actually. I find myself... Um, Quoting you quite a bit from our last episode um, when we when, when we had you on is oftentimes people, you know, me being a purpose coach, helping people with leadership and finding their way, they're often asking the question around, how do I find more meaning, you know, and I find myself quoting the, yourself saying, oh, you've fallen into Neil's pitfall, which, you know, he identifies as you're thinking your life's about you and meaning for you. But your life's actually about the people that you serve. And therein lies a big part of the meaning of your life. Am I correct? I, have I remembered everything you shared correctly?
0: Yes, I think that's a good summary. And I would add that meaning is not something that we find in any event. When people say, how mm-hmm. can I find my purpose or my meaning in life? I tell them meaning and purpose are not something that you find. Mm. Meaning is something you create. It's something you decide on. So, and there's a huge difference because many, there many is. people around the world, I mean, millions of people around the world are trying to find their meaning. So they're trying to read the right book or look under the right rock or, you know, find maybe it's hidden behind the right tree or take the right seminar or take the right workshop or, or listen to Amrit's you know, podcasts mm. and then then they'll suddenly know something more than they knew before. Mm. But in fact, meaning and purpose are not something that we find because who would assign it to us? It's not like something's assigned it to us. God doesn't assign us a meaning or a purpose and and then say, too bad they don't know what it is, but I'm not going to tell them. Let them just search for it for the next 50 years. (laughs) (laughs) That isn't the God we have. Are you sure? (laughs) God doesn't assign us a purpose and then keep it a secret from us. God gives us the power to decide what our own purpose and meaning is
3: Mm.
0: and there's a huge difference Mm. so what people get to do when they sit down and think about this question is ask themselves if I could give myself a purpose what would it be Mm. what would my highest thought about that be and you've expressed my own highest thought, which is that my purpose has nothing to do with me in the classic sense. It has to do with everyone else whose life I touch and the way in which I touch it. That, of course, does have something to do with me, but in a secondary sense. The Mm. first sense of it is that if I touch other people in a way which demonstrates that I understand who they are, Mm.
3: that
0: I see them as aspects of the divine, then of course it will have an effect on me as well
3: Mm -hmm.
0: for a very simple reason because there's only one of us and what affects you does affect me what touches you does touch me what I do for you I do for me and what I fail to do for you I fail to do for me because there's only one of us Hmm.
2: attaching our desires to the desires of others feels precarious <laughs> for some that are tuning in would you say
0: I'm not sure I'm saying attaching my desires to the desires of others
2: I kind of know you're not I but I wanted to ask that question <laughs>
0: yeah I, I don't attach my desires excuse me <clears throat> I don't attach my desires to the desires of others mm. I uh, I find my life's purpose in my own desire not the desires of others
3: mm.
0: and my own desire is to be of service to others mm-hmm. which is not quite the same thing that you just said mm-hmm. because sometimes people have desires mm-hmm. uh, you know the desires of others are not desires that I choose to to serve mm-hmm. I'll give you a perfect example a, a simple simple example somebody comes into my home as a guest Yep. And they have a desire to smoke a cigarette. Mm-hmm. And so I have to say to them, uh, I understand that it's your desire to smoke a cigarette, but I want to serve you. you know, it's my desire to serve you, but it's not my desire to attach my desires to your desires. Hmm. So I'm going to ask you not to smoke a cigarette in my house because there's no smoking in my house. Mm. So I do not share your desire that you smoke, but I'm willing to serve mm. you in this moment in whatever way you feel can serve you, so long mm. as your personal desires don't conflict with my own. Mm. That's what I call setting boundaries. So I have to yeah. set boundaries.
2: That's what I was hearing. It's a really healthy relationship with yourself where you're able to serve others with having a healthy set of boundaries because i feel sometimes especially in the personal development world or even you know when you're spiritually inclined or of a spiritual nature um we can be quite lax with our boundaries in the pursuit of serving others and putting others first um do you find that have you you've seen examples of that you know
0: well others? i don't see i see i don't put others first i put myself first hmm. But when I'm clear that what serves me the most Mm -hmm. is serving other people, Mm. then putting myself first by serving other people works Mm -hmm. out for all of us. But I don't put others first, because if I put others first, then I would allow them to smoke in my house. Mm. Yeah, that's
2: a great example. Yeah. Neil, I wanted to dive a little bit into the book the god solution um and a little bit around what was your impetus for writing uh, the book because you've had conversations with god and there's a few more than a few parts to that series now um and then it seems like you almost wrote a book starting from scratch saying hey maybe there isn't a god and if there isn't, what would be the case for a God? Can you tell us a little bit about um, yeah, where you were at when you were writing this book and where this came from, this thought process?
0: I'd be happy to, Amrit. Uh, the, um, the thing that's true for me in my life is uh, I've been asked many times about the most important content of mm-hmm. the Conversations with God books which mm. have been published now and have been out there in the world for years. You know, the first first one was published almost twenty nine years ago, so it's they've been out there for a long time. Mm. But people and people have actually come up to me at lectures and sometimes sent me emails saying, "Okay, I get that you think you think you had a conversation with God, but if <laughs> there really if there really is a God, why is the world such a mess? That's if a there really if there really is a God, why doesn't He come down and?" fix things and make things better? You know, Mm. how how do you even know you had a conversation with a God that may not even exist? You know, because if there was a God, why is the world in such terrible shape? Mm. I thought that's a fair question. and I've been asked that question more than once through the Mm. years. Mm. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to answer that question in a single book, and I'm not Mm. going to have it be a conversation with God book, because some people are doubting that there really is a God to have a conversation with. So mm-hmm. I'll just do a regular narrative book, just a mm-hmm. first person narrative that could address that question. Mm. So I have come to understand the answer.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So mm-hmm. I called the answer that I was given the God's solution, which is the mm-hmm. title of the book. So in the God's solution, we find a summary, a narrative summary, it's not a dialogue, but it's a narrative summary of mm-hmm. all of the most important points of the eight or nine Conversations with God books. Mm-hmm. There are actually nine dialogue books. Mm. And uh, this book, The God Solution, is a summary, basically, of the most important, the most critical, the most crucial aspects Uh, Mm -hmm. of of that conversation Mm -hmm. as well as and i'm really excited about the last several chapters of the god solution chapter 24 through 28 actually share it's kind of a short course in metaphysics Mm -hmm. and talks Mm -hmm. about the process of personal creation and how we can use the power that god has given us to create the individual and collective solutions of our desires
2: yeah it's um I, I think it was really, uh, I don't want to use the word. It was intriguing. It's probably the word I want to use.
0: I love but, that word. It's a perfect word.
2: Yeah. the the Because uh, the, the fair question is such a fair question when you sit there and you call it the fair question in the book is if there is a benevolent higher power that exists, what is with the given situation here on earth? Why is life not any better? And you continue to unpack that a little bit further. Um by asking questions of along the lines of, let's say, if God, if humanity could prove that without a doubt that God does exist, do you think that would make a difference to your life in any way? Would it make a difference in a practical matter? And then you flip that as well and say, hey, if you could prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that God does not exist, do you think that would affect your life in any way? Would it make a difference in a practical matter? Do you mind sort of unpacking both of those in this example for us um like if we could describe a world without God and what that would mean for us potentially and a world with God and what that would mean for us potentially in building the case
0: well I I think we're seeing both right now Mm. I think that we're seeing a world where millions of people I'm going to use the word billions actually advisedly and with a world where billions of people think there is a God Mm -hmm. and we're seeing the world nevertheless be exactly what it is a great Mm -hmm. big mess in many many ways we're also seeing a world where billions of people do not believe that there is a God. So we're seeing both right now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but but the real question is not, you know what would those two worlds look like? What would that be like in the in the experience of an individual? The real question is what's the solution to all of this? If there mm-hmm. really is a God, what why doesn't he come down and make things better? Mm-hmm. You know what, what I don't get it what 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 why is the world such a mess? Mm. if there really is a god and i I, would like to offer this answer it's been my understanding and i was told directly in conversations with god that god's purpose and god's desire and god's intention was not to disempower the sentient beings that god has created that is not to create a species of minions who are simply like you know Minions in a kingdom who have to do what the king says and if they don't they're going to be punished but if they do everything will be fine Mm. that that wasn't god's intention god's desire was to create i'm going to say duplicates of itself in a sense that is Mm. to create sentient beings who had the power of creation in their own hands
3: Mm.
0: and so god gave all sentient beings everywhere in the universe not just here on earth but of course there are other uh, sentient beings elsewhere other other intelligent uh, civilizations elsewhere in the cosmos and god's intention was to give all sentient beings the power to create individually and collectively the experience that they most desired and Mm -hmm. thus to experience itself. This is God experiencing itself as the creator by allowing Mm. its creations to experience themselves as the creator of their own experience. Mm. So, But the solution is that we have misunderstood who and what God really is. So God said, you know, here's the problem. The problem is you have defined God in a way that's utterly and totally inaccurate. And Which is interesting that we would do such a thing. I mean, because, you know, there are 4,300 religions on the earth right now being practiced. (laughs) Really? I didn't make that number up. I didn't make that number up. A person could Google it, you know, could just Mm. write into the Google search engine, how many religions or faith traditions are there being practiced on earth right now? Mm. And I think it will be like 4,275 religions, individual religions, being, being practiced right now. And, and so, um, most of those religions tell us that God is in existence, it's an entity, if you please,
3: mm.
0: and, but that this supreme entity, the higher power, we call it the higher power,
3: mm-hmm.
0: is loving, but also judgmental. It judges us, and if we don't do what it wants, it condemns us, and then it punishes us with everlasting damnation.
2: <laughs> yeah, we become bad.
0: Yeah. So here, we, here we are, minions again, with you know the first idea. Just mm. minions in, in the uh, kingdom of God, having to do what God wants us to do. And the 4,000 religions tell us what God wants us to do, but they're not all saying the same thing. Mm. Some say, you know, you can do this, but you can't do that. Some say you can do that, but you can't do this. Some mm. actually tell us what we can wear, the clothing we can wear, mm. and what we should not wear. Some mm. actually tell us what we should eat, what we should <laughs> not eat. Can you believe this when I was a child? I think the Catholic Church finally gave it up. But yeah. when I was a child, I was taught that we should not eat meat on Fridays. And so Catholics day. everywhere Catholics everywhere had what they called meatless Fridays. Mm because God didn't want them to eat meat on Fridays. Mm. Some religions tell us we have to wear a certain covering over our head if we're Mm. female, because we can't allow people to see our natural hair. And Mm. if we don't cover our head with that particular piece of clothing, we will be not only uh, condemned or judged by God, we'll actually be condemned and judged by human beings. The government Mm. will arrest you. The morality police will arrest you and throw you in jail for not dressing properly. Yeah. So we have all of these many, many other ideas. We could spend hours just talking about the various mm. commandments that we think that God has given us—way more than ten mm. commandments. <laughs> that, yeah. And so, that, but the problem is that because we think that God is judgmental, condemning, and punishing, mm. we've allowed ourselves to be judgmental, condemning, and punishing of others. Because after all, we're just imitating God. What could be any better than that? God has told us that we are made in the image and likeness of God. Mm. So if we really are made in the image and likeness of God, then we have the right to be condemning, judging, and punishing of others. And that's why the world is in the mess that it's constantly in. Now, God's solution is... Change your definition of God. Mm. Decide that you know what, there must be something wrong here because it's not working. Mm. There must be something, there must be something we don't fully understand here, Mm
3: -hmm. the
0: understanding of which would change everything. Mm. And what we don't fully understand is that God is not judging, condemning, and punishing, that God can be defined actually in English in two words pure love. Now, Albert, I have to tell you that when I say this in a lecture, somebody in the back of the room is sure to get up and say, oh, Neil, 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 help me out. You you may have been listening to you for 20 minutes for you to tell me that God is love. Everyone agrees that god is love all all the four thousand religions at least they may have differences of doctrines and differences of you know dogmas but they mm. all agree that god is love is this the great new message you have come to bring us and i have to tell them wait a minute wait a minute relax relax i didn't say god is love i said god is pure love now my friend in the back of the room will say okay What's the difference? Mm. The difference is that pure love needs, expects, requires, and demands nothing in return. And because it demands and needs and expects nothing in return, it has no reason to judge, condemn, or punish us. And so, we can now stop judging, condemning, and punishing others. And if we chose to act with each other as God acts with us, the world's mess, the world's humanly created messes, would solve themselves virtually overnight. The war in Ukraine would go away in a minute because there'd be no justification for it. You know, we've had armed conflict, not to pick out one particular problem like in Ukraine right now, we've had armed conflict on this planet for 92% of recorded history because we keep making each other wrong and we keep justifying killing people to stop others from doing what we say is wrong you had a perfect example of what i mean by killing people for doing what we say is wrong there are some countries in the world whether you believe this or not mm. there are actually some countries in the world where if you are gay if you are homosexual and demonstrate that in your private life but if you declare it to be true you can be killed yeah because the religion in certain countries demands that you be killed mm. that your life be ended because you have violated the will of god
2: that was one of the big takeaways i got from the god solution was this invitation or the question like why does agreeing upon a like coming up with a homogeneous idea or concept or feeling or you know you call it pure love which is very difficult to refute i love that um why does that even matter um and then you present the case in the god solution that our reality is reverse engineered from our experiences of it and our experiences are reverse engineered from the type of behaviors we exhibit And that our behaviours are then reverse engineered from the beliefs that we have. And so it goes from beliefs to behaviours to experiences to reality. And therefore, our reality and all that noise that's going on out there, um, some of it harmonious, some of it disharmonious, boils back to trying to really come home and collect ourselves around our collective beliefs. Um, Yeah, I found that was a really massive massive takeaway but you also mentioned that 85% of the people on the planet at the moment do believe in a higher power but about 80% of them don't like don't necessarily agree on what that higher power is and as you're mentioning pure love i'm sure even some people tuning in are for it and some people are not necessarily in agreement with it um
0: Well, the reason is they're not in agreement with it, some of them, is that they think that pure love means that you you can condone and permit any kind of behavior at all. Mm. But pure love does not mean that we condone or agree with or permit or support any Mm. kind of behavior at all. In fact, just the opposite. Mm. If we really purely love another, Mm -hmm. we would stop them from hurting themselves. Mm-hmm. And we would tell them that hurting others is hurting themselves because we are all one. So to give you a perfect example, in a marriage relationship, for instance, some people feel that if they committed to a lifelong marriage with another, that they have to remain in that relationship no matter how abusive their partner may be, physically Mm -hmm. or verbally abusive. Mm -hmm. But it's been made very clear to me that that is not the demonstration of pure love. Mm -hmm. Because if I love you and you are abusing me, then I am, and if I'm staying with you, even while you're abusing me, I'm sending you a signal that says it's okay with me. Mm. It's all right that you're abusing me. And Mm. and I'm actually hurting you, not supporting Mm. you, Mm. because I'm causing you to believe that abusive behaviors are okay coming Mm. from you. And you're going to act that way elsewhere in your life as well, until you finally discover that people don't want to be your friend. They don't want to be your business associates. They don't want to have anything to do with you because they feel that you're abusive. Then they wonder, well, why don't I understand. What's the problem? I'm not doing anything other than what I did with my spouse. Mm. And then you go to your spouse and say, I thought this was okay. And the spouse says, no, it's not. But you've been with me for 27 years. Well, because I made a promise to God that I would not leave you no matter what you did. Mm. But there's a difference between loving someone and -hmm. allowing them to do whatever they want. I can love you, but I can promise you you're not going to smoke in my house. It's as simple as that.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: My loving you does not require me to allow you to smoke in my house Mm -hmm. or to physically or verbally abuse me. Mm -hmm. Because to repeat the point I just made, if I allow you to physically or verbally abuse me I'm hurting you by teaching Mm. you something that is not in your best interests
2: so how does pure love show up there to be the guiding light guiding It, it, it
0: explains to you why I'm not going to permit certain behaviors Mm. pure love shows up by saying you know what i'm not going to stop loving you but i'm going to stop you from doing certain things
2: i'm not going to stop
0: loving you but Mm. i am going to stop you from doing certain things Mm. and 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 out of my love for you the way Mm. you know just like just as we tell you know Think of it this way: when when people don't under, when people can't follow, some people say, "You know, Neil, it's hard to follow what you're trying, the point you're trying to make." I say, "Okay, think of it this way: you've got a seven or eight or a nine or a ten year old child in the backyard, out, outside playing, mm. and they're playing something that you clearly see could be damaging to them. Mm-hmm. If I mm-hmm. observe you climbing a tree, I'm not judging you for it, I'm not making you wrong for it. I'm just telling you the truth." that Mm -hmm. could hurt you come Mm. down from there Mm -hmm. just as we tell our children in the backyard Mm
3: -hmm.
0: that could, sweetheart don't do that you could hurt yourself you could hurt yourself Mm. don't play with matches and for heaven's sake don't play with matches in the dynamite room so okay. this is all very easy for people to understand. And When I explain it that way, people say, oh, you know what? I, can, I, I suddenly get it. I get what you're telling me, mm. that God does not judge, condemn, and punish us, but God will tell us what could hurt us. Mm. And she will invite us to stop.
2: Mm. How can we see the invitations to stop?
1: Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
0: We'll feel it. We will feel it internally. Most of us know, even when we're doing something relatively, you know, simple, like a, like mm. a simple what we call a white lie, a little white lie. Mm. It's not about a big deal. It's, it's just a little white lie. Mm. You know, we get we get invited to a cocktail party, and we on the phone and we say, you know, I'm not really feeling well tonight. I think I think I'm catching kind of a cold. Maybe maybe, I, maybe I'll take a pass. Thank you for mm. the invitation. And it's a lie because you don't you're not getting a cold at all. You just just don't want to go to the cocktail party. But you didn't want to tell the person that you don't want to go to their party because you didn't want to hurt their feelings. So you make an excuse. Mm. It's called an excuse. Mm -hmm. It's a made up excuse. You lied. It's a simple lie. Mm. But you know how you know that you know how you know because you feel it inside. Mm. So the answer to your question is we feel it inside. That's how we know. You can't escape the feeling. You know when you're doing something that's not serving you. Mm -hmm. And you absolutely know when you're doing something that's not serving somebody else. Because there's a cellular memory of who you really are. Mm. An individuation of God. And that cellular memory will not dissolve or go away. But it reminds you All the cells in your body know when you've told a white lie. You can't get away with it. You can fool somebody else, but you can't fool yourself. Mm. So that's the answer to your question. You can't fool yourself, or at least Mm. not for very long.
2: Mm. If we invite everybody to be their own theologians, as you do in their book, do we find that potentially people may feel differently about pure love? Because you do present the concept for pure love, but you do also invite people to feel into their own story and concept of what God could be. Do we run the risk of potentially not being able to reconcile those two two offerings?
0: Well, I think we run the risk, yes. But I think that ultimately, deep in our cellular memory, we we do know that mm-hmm. God is needing nothing from us if god needs something from us like obedience for instance Mm. as an example god would not be the supreme power in the universe because the supreme power not only does not need anything it created everything it could possibly need Mm. including vaginas and beautiful long hair on ladies Mm.
2: One of the interesting things that you decided, uh, the, the concept of feeling that you shared in the book was the, when we're feeling a certain way, we can change our feeling after the act of having done something wrong. You mentioned those white lies, and then you said a master can change their feelings ahead of time. Can you describe that a little bit further?
0: Yes. Well, I, I think, I think that you've just said it perfectly. Yeah, but but let me tell you how I learned that, how I came to be aware of it. My wife, my wife actually taught me that. Mm. I um, I have to confess that I have very little tolerance with people who do not serve well, even after I'm paying them. Mm. You know, wait, a waiter in a restaurant, for instance, or the clerk mm. behind the counter at a at a uh, hotel. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, you know, by paying for my room, I'm paying for their salary. Part Mm -hmm. of my, part of my payment for the room takes care of their pay, their salary. So Mm -hmm. I expect to be served. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and I had, I had a, I had a hard time with with people who don't serve me well. Mm -hmm. And, and and I, I'm confessing, it's my confession for the day, but that was that way, you know, for most of my life. Mm -hmm. But uh, when when I met my wife then uh, my fiance we were going off to be married and it was very joyous we were going to fly to Las Vegas and, and get go to one of those wedding chapels and get married you don't don't have to wait there's no waiting period in Las Vegas you can get married in 10 minutes so we decided spontaneously let's get married so we did we got on a plane you know and we, we got to the hotel and they didn't have my reservation i said i'm, I'm sorry mr Wallace. we don't seem to have a room here for you i said mm-hmm. that's ridiculous i've made a reservation ahead of time my travel agent blah 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 i'm giving this guy a piece of my mind you know, letting him know mm-hmm. how wrong he is and how right i am
3: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: and i turned around and saw my my wife to be my fiance, look at me and she, and she said do you think there might be a better way to handle this Mm. very sweetly no judgment just an observation (laughs) just a simple question Mm. and i realized yeah she's probably thinking now this is a guy i'm (laughs) going (laughs) to (laughs) marry you know what if i do something he's not happy with
3: Mm. so
0: i turned to the guy and i said you know i said i'm i'm so sorry let 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 me apologize i'm I'm on my honeymoon, we're going to be married here in about an hour and a half, and and I hope you can understand, I'm so sorry, I, I'm just disappointed that there's no room here for me. Mm. And the man was very wonderful, he said, oh my gosh, and he said, look, you're going to be married in an hour, look. Maybe there's a room. Let me just check something. He came back, he said, You know, the presidential suite has nobody in it tonight. Would you like to could we just give you as a as our apology to you for not having the reservation? Please take the presidential suite on the house, no charge, as our wedding gift to you. And I said, Oh, wow. Now what but what, what I learned from that was this. Mm. Things are going to happen in my life ahead of time, and I know ahead of time they're going to happen. I do so much traveling. This isn't the last time in my life that the hotel is not going to get my reservation straight. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: I can depend on it. This isn't the last time that the waiter at the restaurant is is not going to serve me well. I can depend on it. Mm -hmm. And this isn't the last time that even my beloved wife and I may have a disagreement Mm -hmm. that could change the mood of the moment. I can depend Mm -hmm. on it. Mm -hmm. But since I know that these things are dependable and they're going to happen, I can decide ahead of time
3: Mm.
0: how I want to react, how I want to respond, who I want to be
3: Mm -hmm.
0: when these things occur. I can choose ahead of time. And the next time that, you know, my wife is late as we're trying to leave, you know, f- for the concert or the play we're supposed to see, because wives are inherently late. It's part of the biology. Mm. You know, I, I when I say let's leave at 7:30 to make sure we have enough time, I'm ready at the front door at 7:30. Mm. Now, my wife was there at the front door at 728. But Mm. it's just then when she decides, having seen herself in the reflection of the glass, you know, I don't think I like this outfit. Let me go change outfits. Mm. You know, and so she'll go in the closet and pick out another outfit and she won't be at the front door at 830. It'll be 840 or 845.
3: Mm.
0: I can promise you. This is not something that happens once in a while.
3: Mm.
0: But <laughs> I make a joke. I make a, a lighthearted joke. Mm. I made that whole story up just to make a joke. Mm. But the point is that when I know something's going to happen ahead of time, I can decide ahead mm. of time how I want yeah. to respond, how I, I want react to react, and how I want to be. To that delay. To quite that simple. Album. Yeah, you
2: also um you mentioned something in the book. Um, that is sort of we're starting to encroach upon is transcending certainty for possibility. And I was hoping you could expand on that in today's conversation before we started talking about the possibility of creation and yeah, going further. So what did you mean by transcending certainty for possibility in the God solution?
0: I think I'm trying to say that nothing in life is certain. Mm. Read that, absolutely nothing. Or as somebody else, much more poetic than I, once said, "The best laid plans of mice and men." <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes. <yesterday. laughs> yeah, and I think that. So,
2: yeah. yeah, so what I've learned. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So what what I've learned is to. Not depend on the best laid plans of mice and men Mm
3: -hmm.
0: or my own best laid plans that the only thing that is certain in life is uncertainty that Mm -hmm. is certain it's the only thing that's certain is uncertainty but Mm -hmm. what is available to us always is the possibility of recreating both ourselves that is the way we're feeling the way we're acting the way we're responding as, and also recreating any moment itself recreating mm-hmm. our short-term or our long-term future
3: mm.
0: you know I often think you know when I was a younger man I thought I would become a a newspaper writer at one of the really big newspapers the New York Times or mm. or one of the large worldwide papers because I already thought that I was a pretty good writer mm. but you know, I thought it was certain to happen, couldn't not happen, because I was a very good writer. Mm-hmm. And I started as a journalist at a small-town newspaper in a tiny city in the state of Maryland. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, I never got i never got called, I never got to, to be a, a writer at one of the major newspapers, the Washington Post or the New York Times or any other paper in the world, major newspaper. I never got that opportunity. Mm. so um, that plan that I had didn't come to pass but the possibility of a different kind of future did Mm -hmm. and I realize now in retrospect that had I actually been hired by the New York Times I would have been a writer there for 40 years Mm. and I never would have had the experience that I did have Mm -hmm. that produced my life as I now know it
2: the body of work you contributed to
0: mm. so for me gratitude has replaced disappointment mm. with regard to the events of my life
2: yeah yeah it makes it makes sense at this particular juncture in this conversation as well how you've laid that out so the big takeaways from the book were the initial in the initial part of the book were to presume that a higher power exists and instead of describing the higher power as this thinking thing that we think about decide that it's an energy that we can physically feel and label that energy potentially as pure love and then making the switch going replacing our thought from a concept of god to a feeling of God being pure love in our body, and recognizing that that actually animates a lot of what we do, um, and even diving down into the nitty gritty of behavioral psychology and a lot of what we do in the day to day in terms of reward and punishment, and how you know kids early on get um, set up for you know wanting to seek their parents' approval, in, which is a synthetic version of trying to receive like actual love right um you can really start to feel that actually yeah there is a lot that pure love governs in our world and obviously it does get corrupted in certain ways in the 3d world um through this approval lack of approval attachment attachment etc um but yeah i think that's the big takeaway from there you invite this process of seeing ourselves as the divine, in, in many ways, in that if the if God has the ability to create, so do we. Can you elaborate on our power as a creator and potentially how to access and harness that?
0: Yeah, please. yeah sh- sure. First, let me just say that, uh, as you indicated, I don't see God as a person.
3: Mm.
0: I see God as a a source, mm. and and. Uh, you know, in biology, uh, we, we've been talking the past 30 or 40 years about undifferentiated stem cells. You know, 120 years ago, no one ever heard of that. But in the past 40 or 50 years, we've started talking about undifferentiated stem cells. Stem cells are cells of the body that have not yet differentiated. Mm. They've not become our, you know, cells of our of our brain or our lungs or our heart or whatever, any other aspect of our our being so i see god i see god as the undifferentiated stem cell of the universe Mm. that is pure energy which Mm. can take any form that it wants. if it wants to take the form of a man in a flowing white gown and a long white beard or as a woman, you know, uh, with angel wings and so forth, you can take any form that it wants. Mm. But it's the originating source, the source energy of uh, of all that is, all that ever was, and all that ever will be. Mm-hmm. And I see all of us as manifestations of that energy. Mm-hmm. Therefore, that energy, in my opinion, resides within everything and every one of us. Mm. You know. Uh, What makes a flower turn to the sun? Somebody explain to me why a flower will turn to the sun all by itself. We don't Mm -hmm. go outside in the garden and say to the flower every morning, be sure to turn to the sun. (laughs) It kind of knows what to do. (laughs) The flower just does that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How does that happen? Somebody explain to me how that happens. Mm -hmm. Oh, I see. It's built into the flower. Mm -hmm. I see. So, but some people think that life is a school, that we have to learn, you know, how to do what we need to do to survive. Mm -hmm. But uh, but God said to me, life is not a school. Mm -hmm. I said, not a school? All, all, many great teachers have said life is a school.
3: Mm.
0: Where we learn to... God said, Neil, is there a tree outside your window? Mm. I said, yeah. God said, is it a small tree or a large tree? I said, it's a large tree. It's about you know, 25, 30 feet high, very beautiful oak. Mm. And God said, what has the tree learned since it was a seed no bigger than your fingernail? Mm. I said, well, it hasn't learned anything. It just grew into itself. God said, you mean that everything that the tree needed to know to grow into itself and become that 30-foot beautiful oak outside your window, everything it needed to know, are you telling me that I implanted that and encoded the seed with all that information? Mm. I said, you know, I I I, I suppose you could put it that way. God said, and if I so loved the tree, Mm. Would I not all the more love you? So know that I've implanted within you all that you need to know to grow into the grandest version of yourself that you could ever have imagined. Therefore, that which I am exists within you that which I am you are in individuated form
2: and so the power to create is us to connect to ourselves being a creation
0: yeah and it's a power it's the power that I would call thought what it's it's the human word that I would use to describe that power is thought Mm. because thought is the exercise of the mind that takes the particular energetic of life and shapes it in a certain form and then Mm -hmm. projects it out into the universe
3: Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. you know and one of the one of the wonderful masters of humanity named Jesus made this very clear in all that he taught to all that listened to him Mm -hmm. I mean he was walking down the street one day with a bunch of followers his Mm -hmm. disciples, and a man was crawled up to him on his knees. He was a leper, actually.
3: Mm.
0: And he said to Jesus, uh, you you know, if you just let me touch your garment, if I could just touch your clothing, I'll be healed. And Jesus turned around and looked at the man on, on his knees behind him, and he said, do you believe that? And the man said, yes, I do. Yes, Lord. I believe that. And Jesus responded, by your faith, have you been healed? I didn't do anything here. I didn't heal you. But if you think that will heal you, then you've been healed. Because as you believe it, so will it be done unto you. There's a man named James Allen who wrote an astonishing book a few years ago called As a Man Thinketh. Mm -hmm. Other books have been written on the same topic. Mm -hmm. Norman Vincent Peale wrote an astonishing book in 1949 called The Power of Positive Thinking. Mm -hmm. Many, many, many books have been written on this topic. This is not new information. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: So if we simply decide that something is true and live according to the truth that lives within us, we will find, I'm not going to say 1,000% of the time, but more often than not, we will find that our highest and best thought about everything is what manifests in our reality. Mm. So, the power of creation is nothing more than deliberate thinking, Mm -hmm. intentional thinking, or as conversations with God put it, life proceeds out of your intention for it I could of course be wrong about all of this but I don't think so
2: <laughs> because there's a thought <laughs> Oh, you thank you so much for sharing yourself so abundantly here today with us the um yeah the the case that you make for yeah just a fair question in the way that the world currently is structured there is so much yeah opportunity for us to question whether there is a higher force that animates everything and then building a case for hey maybe it's just pure love and it's benevolent and it's you know treating you with the respect and love and care you know, that you can make the best possible world out there. The choice is yours, heaven or hell. And, you know, let's see how how you navigate this. Um, it's a really beautiful read. And, yeah, I, having been a podcast guest, have a healthy sense of skepticism, I guess, um, which sometimes could probably border on the unhealthy. And, you know, I've got a really robust relationship with my own faith in some ways. But even I find times where it's like, oh, if this was going to be such and such, then why did this happen, you know? and reading your book was really supportive really really supportive for me on my journey as well so i'm really grateful um for your writings once again and not just for your writings but also your time and energy here today and the lifetime's worth of work that informs it so thank you so much for doing this today. thank
0: you those are very nice words to say to me and i i received that energy gratefully and thank you for having me on your on your program i enjoyed it immensely
2: such a pleasure neil thank you so much inspired evolution tribe and audience thank you so much for being so inspired to evolve it is my greatest pleasure being your brother walking home by your side stay inspired keep evolving. (laughs) thank you so much for tuning into this amazing episode of the inspired evolution without you the inspired evolution tribe this podcast would not be what it is today thank you so much for your love and your support Thank you so much for being so inspired to evolve. It's truly inspiring. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the Inspired Evolution on YouTube, the home of the Inspired Evolution's video podcast. We release inspiring conversations such as this every week, along with guided meditations and empowering insights all designed to help you grow and evolve. Honestly, your subscription on YouTube to the channel helps us out a great deal.